Section 24 of The Age of Anne by Edward Ellis Morris. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pamela Nagami. Chapter 22, Literature, Part 1. Section 1, French Literature. The age of Louis the Fourteenth is often called the Augustan age of French literature. That name compares it with the time when, under the rule and patronage of Augustus, Roman literature reached its most polished, if not its most original, epoch, and when the masterpieces of most of the great Latin authors were written. The period is often made to include works which really belong to earlier times nor did the system of state patronage begin with louis some of his predecessors had encouraged literature to one of them cardinal richelieu france owes the establishment of the academy which itself to a great extent the creature of patronage was intended in a sense to be the vehicle of the king's patronage to others pensions were freely bestowed on authors and literature was intended to become a branch of the civil service the academy was to draw up a code of laws for the literary by producing treatises on rhetoric and poetics and to compile a dictionary of the french language which in the seventeenth century was assuming its present shape patronage certainly cannot create genius any more than rules can make a poet it is within its power to promote culture but it will be found that its tendency is to dwarf genius despotism cannot give genius but it can stifle it for really great men will not long endure to live in the atmosphere of a despotic court and to shape their voices only to speech that is agreeable there they may for a time be content to dedicate their works to a king who is their paymaster and to let their dedications be fulsome racine died in disgrace because he spoke out against the miserable condition of the french peasantry and boileau left the court saying what should i do there i know not how to flatter it is impossible to separate from the system of patronage the most marked characteristic of the era that everything must be done according to rule if patronage stifled genius on one side rules stifled it on the other the drama was hide-bound by the doctrine of the three unities of time of place and of action fetters to which shakespeare had never subjected his genius it was an age in which poetry was reduced to an art that is a body of rules which can be taught boileau in imitation of horace wrote the art of poetry pope in turn in the so-called augustan age in england copied boileau as well as horace in the essay on criticism an instructive lesson with respect to the age of louis the fourteenth is to be learnt in the fact that its great authors and artists fell within the first half of it the year sixteen eighty eight which witnessed the english revolution divides the real reign of louis the fourteenth that is the time during which he himself governed into two equal halves it has been noticed that almost all the great ornaments of the time died before this year it would seem to follow that the effects of patronage are only spasmodic and not permanent the literary greatness of the reign was over at the same time as its military successes and with the beginning of the new century and in the general misery of the spanish succession war 
the character of the literature changed a new epoch had begun whose tone breathed rebellion against the previous spirit it is however necessary to sketch in outline the prominent features of the literature of the whole reign in order to understand both its results and the rebellion against its influence first the reign was very strong in drama having besides minor authors three illustrious dramatists moliere corneille and racine of whom the first wrote comedies the other two chiefly tragedies at first moliere seems only to have had in view the amusement of an audience but he soon learnt that the poet should also teach whilst standing well with the court he attacked in an exquisitely ludicrous style the follies and foibles of the day at one time the pedantic affectation of the learned women at another the cumbrous and antiquated jargon of the doctors then the pious hypocrite the citizen who imitated the nobility or the frivolous noble corneille has the title of father of french tragedy he is distinguished for simplicity he paints the conflict between private and public passions the conflict between love and honour or religion or duty he drew both the subjects of his plays and his method of treatment from spain whilst racine who succeeded him drew his inspiration rather from ancient greece in his hands french tragedy was framed upon greek models and almost all his subjects are taken either from classical or from sacred antiquity andromaque was his first and atali his last play his plays are remarkable for grace of expression rhythm and correctness he always conforms to the three unities that there shall be no impossibilities on the stage no asking the audience to pass over time or space the age of louis the fourteenth is secondly famous for the development of french prose and therein especially for the composition of letters and of memoirs the letters of madame de sevigne and the memoirs of the duc de saint-simon chief chamberlain at the king's court may be selected as representatives the former are witty tender and always in good taste the latter which belong perhaps rather to a later age are full of gossip of this and the succeeding reign every species of anecdote everything small and great being recorded by a vivacious eye-witness it was to be expected that theology would flourish but it was for the most part a courtly theology and inspired by the jesuits the eloquence of the pulpit became very famous Bossuet, bishop of meaux was the chief of the preachers and his excellence lay especially in funeral orations Bossuet may be said to have applied to religion the teaching which louis inculcated in politics with him all opposition was wrong whether it took the form of protestantism and absolute revolt from the church or the minor form of holding different views within her pale such a revolt was shown in pascal who after displaying a precocious and extraordinary genius for mathematics at an early age turned his attention to theology and just before louis took up the reins of government published his provincial letters a book which attacked the teaching and views of the jesuits pascal belonged to a sect called the jansenists because its members held certain views first promulgated by bishop jansenius on the subject of predestination 
there was a fierce controversy between them and the jesuits but the latter having the ear of the papal court were enabled to procure from the pope a bull against their opponents it was called from its first word the bull unigenitus dated september seventeen thirteen in which the jansenists were condemned and the king insisted on the acceptance of the bull throughout france one of the leading theologians was fenelon archbishop of cambrai on account of the saintliness of his character he had been appointed tutor to the young duke of burgundy telemaque is a book which he wrote for the use of his pupil and under veil of describing antiquity it contains a strong condemnation of the government as well as a sort of programme for reform which his pupil would probably have carried out if he had reached the throne as a result of the age of louis the fourteenth the french language acquired a great ascendancy in europe it became the language of diplomacy and of polite society its influence upon english literature is well worth notice pope the leading poet of the time shows many traces of a study of french writers addison spent a long time in france and one can see the same influence in his polished and easy style after the peace of utrecht the current of influence seemed to pass the other way many frenchmen visited england and conceived the greatest admiration for the spirit of english politics english laws and english society it would be hardly too much to say that some of the seeds of the french revolution were sown in their minds and the admiration first acquired of which they afterwards gave such practical expression of the way in which the english treated their kings in general and charles i in particular when louis the fourteenth died voltaire was a young man just of age and jean-jacques rousseau was in the nursery though the former never quite shook off his feeling of reverence for the king one cannot help feeling that it was opposition to the spirit of the french government and knowledge of its results that led both these thinkers and writers to fan the spirit of liberty so that here also the revolution was being prepared though there were years and years of weary misgovernment before its outbreak section two english literature the reign of queen anne likewise is usually called the augustan age of english literature it was a time when england was as great in literature as in war writers of deeper tone and weightier calibre have lived at other times but there is probably no period so short in which so many famous books have been given to the world or in which forces have had their roots destined so powerfully to influence the future there are many who regard the name as wholly inappropriate for the latin literature was fostered by the judicious patronage of augustus however great may be the affection of posterity for good queen anne it cannot be included among her virtues that she cared for or helped literature but augustus was assisted in the exercise of his patronage by the taste and discrimination of his great minister mycenas was there then a mycenas in queen anne's reign was there any influential subject who made it his pride and his pleasure to help men of letters the only subject who could be compared in extent of power to mycenas was marlborough and he did not care for poetry and was nervously sensitive to the least attack on himself but if there was no one great patron standing out above the rest 
alike prominent and anxious to make the assistance of literature his glory it would yet be fair to say that the time of queen anne was like the augustan age a time of patronage a time not of one but of many patrons there probably never was a time in which successful literature was so well rewarded probably never a time in which the alliance was so close between politicians and literary men intimacy even must have been great when a poet like prior and a statesman like bolingbroke would write to and of each other as matt and harry pope was the representative poet of the age and he is proud to boast of his friendly intercourse with bolingbroke who supplied him with the subject matter of one of his greatest poems and of the assistance that peterborough gave him in gardening there my retreat the best companions grace chiefs out of war and statesmen out of place there st john mingles with my friendly bowl the feast of reason and the flow of soul and he whose lightning pierced the iberian lines now forms my quincunx and now ranks my vines or tames the genius of the stubborn plain almost as quickly as he conquered spain no statesman out of place probably ever had nobler eulogy passed upon him than that with which pope honoured harley a soul supreme in each hard instance tried above all pain all passion and all pride the rage of power the blast of public breath the lust of lucre and the dread of death alexander pope was born in sixteen eighty eight the year of the revolution his father was a london linen draper who on retiring from business went to live near windsor the boy was deformed and almost a dwarf throughout his life he suffered a great deal from disease an undercurrent of unhappiness caused by his bodily ailments and a nervous irritability which is not uncommon with very short men can be traced through all his life unable to engage in the sports of boyhood he showed poetical talents at a very early age i lisped in numbers for the numbers came so great was his reverence for dryden the poet of his boyhood that in the last year of the seventeenth century when he was twelve years old at his own express desire he was taken up to london to will's coffee-house in order to see him dryden died in that very year his mantle and a double portion of his spirit fell upon pope the following are his most famous works given in the order in which they were composed essay on criticism reap of the lock messiah translation of homer's iliad and part of the odyssey dunciad essay on man imitations of horace and epistles most of these were written after the reign of anne at the time of whose death he was engaged in translating the iliad the essay on criticism may be said to be an imitation of the ars poetica of horace but there is this difference between the writers horace was an experienced and practised poet pope a young man of twenty-three though the former may claim the palm for originality in the treatment of such a subject honour must also be given to the genius of the young man which enabled him to utter thoughts worthy of the wisdom of age the rape of the lock is a playful poem mock heroic it has been called the true epic of the time 
a young cavalier of the court cut a lock of hair from off the head of a beautiful maid of honour the place that the gods occupy in epic poems pope supplies in this airy pleasantry with sylphs and gnomes and the whole subject is treated in so graceful a style that the poem may serve as a model for this species of composition on pope's homer his best-known work but not his greatest work his contemporary bentley the greatest classical critic of all time has passed a criticism to which even now we can add nothing a very pretty poem mr pope but please don't call it homer the sonorous dignity of the original and its natural freedom have vanished and been replaced by the stiffness of an artificial style but it is the work of a true poet and if it does not reproduce homer is yet well worth reading for its own sake it is said that lord bolingbroke supplied pope with the material out of which he composed the four epistles that form the essay on man a treatise on the relation of man to the universe to himself and to society and on man's pursuit of happiness the matter is however certainly the least valuable portion of it as to treatment it may be regarded as pope's masterpiece the merits of pope's poetry shine forth in it these merits not being originality or sympathy with nature or insight into character virtues which distinguish greater poets but grace smoothness correctness the perfection of taste he pays infinite attention to the form of his verses making the subject matter a secondary consideration his lines remind one of the exquisite chiselling of a master sculptor in few english poets can we find such melody of rhythm dr johnson compares his prose to that of dryden in language which may be applied also to their poems the style of dryden is capricious and varied that of pope is cautious and uniform dryden is sometimes vehement and rapid pope is always smooth uniform and gentle dryden's page is a natural field rising into inequalities and diversified by the varied exuberance of abundant vegetation pope's is a velvet lawn shaven by the scythe and levelled by the roller pope's influence upon english poetry may be said to have lasted to the end of the century and it cannot be regarded as beneficial poetry consists of two parts the outward form and the inward meaning some writers have neglected one some the other the absence of heart and of nature in the poetry of the last century seems to be due to imitation of pope for his style is like ulysses bow it requires a master's hand to make it really effective End of section 24